This podcast is brought to you by Recontract, the leading software to automate your reconditioning process. From vehicles to people to parts, Recontract streamlines every touchpoint in your recon process. Visit recontract.com to learn more. That's R-E-C-O-N-T-R-A-C.com. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, January 11th, 2024. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Callan Walker. Once again, we're joining you from CES in Las Vegas. Today on the show, new vehicle inventory reaches a three-year high in the U.S., Hertz will sell off 20,000 of its EVs in a shift back to gasoline-powered cars. Tesla boosts pay for U.S. factory workers as the UAW ramps up organizing efforts. Plus, KPMG's global head of automotive, Gary Silberg, joins the show to talk about the firm's new survey of global automotive executives. Profitability outlook to 2030 actually decline uh-huh. uh, for the first time we've seen the survey. And I think that's that sense of realism and it is a global phenomenon. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. New vehicle inventory in the U.S. rose by more than 200,000 in December and started January about 50% up from where it stood a year earlier. According to Cox Automotive, that's the highest inventory level in three years. In its latest estimate, Cox says vehicle inventory stood at more than 2.7 million, representing a 71-day supply. It was up from an estimated 2.5 million a month earlier. Cox says new vehicle inventories had recovered a year earlier to about 1.8 million as the industry slowly regained production from 2021's component shortages. It says the inventory of electric vehicles rose more quickly than internal combustion vehicle inventory. After tracking each other closely throughout 2022, they diverged sharply in 2023. EV inventories ended the year at 113 days supply, while combustion-powered vehicle inventory stood at 69 days supply. Hertz plans to sell a third of its U.S. electric vehicle fleet and reinvest in gas-powered cars due to weak demand for the battery-powered options. The rental giant says in a regulatory filing that sales of 20,000 EVs began last month and will continue over the course of 2024. Hertz expects to record a non-cash charge in the fourth quarter of $245 million related to incremental net depreciation expense. In October, Hertz CEO Stephen Shear said the company would scale back on EVs, which had made up 11% of its total fleet. Tesla's represented 80% of that. While Tesla's fleet business and stock value contends with that decision from Hertz, the EV maker is also looking at higher labor costs. Tesla notified workers at its California car plant of pay increases across its U.S. factories. It's the latest bump by a non-union automaker as the United Auto Workers Union scales up attempts to organize. According to a flyer posted at Tesla's facility in Fremont, California, all U.S. production associates, material handlers, and quality inspectors are getting a, quote, market adjustment pay increase to kick off the new year. The document, viewed by Bloomberg News, doesn't say how much of a raise workers will get. Tesla's senior director of human resources didn't respond to questions. 
Tesla is joining the likes of Toyota, Volkswagen, and Hyundai in hiking pay at U.S. plants after the UAW secured historic labor contracts last year for workers at Ford Motor, General Motors, and Stellantis. And the Biden administration expects the U.S. to reach and possibly surpass its goal of building a nationwide network of 500,000 public electric vehicle chargers by 2030. White House National Climate Advisor Ali Zaidi told reporters on Wednesday that efforts have been ramping up with investments in the bipartisan infrastructure law that President Biden signed in 2021. Today in 2023, we wrapped up around 170 thousand chargers nationwide uh, and we're on a trajectory accelerating trajectory to meet and exceed the president's goal to hit 500,000 chargers and build that nationwide backbone. Zaidi's remarks came ahead of a Biden administration announcement of 623 million dollars in grants to build EV chargers and alternative fueling infrastructure in certain urban and rural communities across the U.S. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, Hertz selling a third of its U.S. EV fleet. What are your thoughts on their scale back? You know, it's a lot like what we've seen with the Detroit automakers recently as they saw the, all the excitement about EVs. They started making some big plans. Hertz was trying to buy 100,000 Tesla Model 3s. You know, EV adoption is still growing, but not at the sort of infinite rate that it, it maybe seemed right. like it would if people had the opportunity. So I think Hertz is, is having to scale back. I mean, they're still going to have EVs in their fleet. It's surprising to me. I've had two Uber drivers recently who were renting Model 3s from Hertz, paying $500 a week and driving Uber. I'm like, can you make money at this? Like, no. But I think they were just trying them out to see if maybe they'd want to buy one. Yeah, that math ain't mathin'. <laughs> Coming up, we'll hear from KPMG's global head of automotive, Gary Silberg, about the firm's recent survey of global automotive executives. That's next on Daily Drive. Daily Drive is kicking off the new year by reviving an old name in a new format. We're bringing back a weekend drive edition of Daily Drive. Jamie and I will go deeper into the biggest automotive stories of the week. Every weekend, you'll hear fresh insights, analysis, and what has me running hot, if not overheated. To think that's going to get done in a year, a little over a year, is um, foolishly optimistic. That's, that's a little dark, but let's shift to something <laughs> a little more positive. You'll also hear from our experts in the newsroom here at Automotive News about the latest industry trends and topics. EV sales are not declining. That's the narrative we're kind of seeing outside of the industry. They aren't declining, but the pace of growth definitely has slowed. Come back this weekend for our Weekend Drive edition of Daily Drive. And of course, tune in every weekday for all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Across the Hendrick Automotive Group, each store had a different reconditioning process. They started looking for a solution that would help them standardize their processes, give them actionable information, and ultimately drive efficiency. Knowing they needed to bring together all pieces of their operation to cut cycle times down to their goal of three days, they chose Recontract. Chris Little, Vice President of Variable Operations, explains why having the tools to measure your recon process gives you what you need to manage it more effectively. Everyone knows speed uh, to the front line uh, equates to more turns, which helps the overall company do better in terms of parts service and inventory bias. And so uh, when you can really take the time to measure and manage that uh, and perfect that, uh, you're going to 
increase your turns, you're going to increase your gross profit, and you're really just going to increase the amount of used cars you can sell uh, because you're getting them out on the front line. Interested in learning more? Don't miss Recontract at NADA 2024. Stop by booth 3157W or visit info.recontract/nada for more information. That's info.recontrac.com slash NADA. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Here at CES, the lines between sensational possibilities and more mundane realities for the auto industry are often blurred, understandably. This is, after all, a place to take in and consider the highest extents of what technology could offer. With that said, most analysts believe 2024 will be a year of coming back to earth for the auto industry. That's what KPMG found in a recent survey of global auto industry executives. Gary Silberg is the firm's global head of automotive. I caught up with him here at CES. Gary Silberg, welcome to Daily Drive. Great to be here, Jamie. We're standing in the middle of the West Hall here at the Las Vegas Convention Center at CES, and you just this week put out a new study based on a survey of global automotive executives. Do I have that part right? You got that one. Oh, good. (laughs) So interesting findings in this year's uh, survey as they look ahead to the coming year. Uh, What's the big takeaway? Well, first of all, as you can see around here, our our listeners may not, but it's pretty exciting and a lot of sexy tech. But there's a lot more realism, as I call it, sexy realism, uh, (laughs) uh, in the survey results. So one, one of the first uh, feedbacks we got was profitability outlook to 2030 actually declined uh, for the first time we've seen in the survey. And I think that's that sense of realism, and it's a global phenomenon. Secondly, um, and, and, and just to elaborate, right, that's the idea that, I mean, they, they know that the outsized profits of the last couple, two, three years are not repeatable. Uh, it's just such a unique time frame, and now we're reverting to the mean a little. Probably, yeah. And the other thing is what they saw, what we saw in the data is like, we asked a question like, when do you think cost parity between EVs and ICE vehicles will be in play? Oh, yeah. And. Oh, that got pushed out to 2030. <laughs> so this, that's what I call this realism. On, and then yeah. that's profitability. Um, the other thing is, I just think there's a sense of when we ask, we ask the same question year after year, and it was interesting. I won't say it was pure rainbows and butterflies, but you know, it was like 2030. You know, we're making all these great investments, and it's going to be a phenomenal transition, which I think it can be. But they're realizing how hard it is. And what, when are they going to get return on investment on all these assets? And it's a half a trillion dollars. I mean, this is not uh, inconsequential amongst friends, seriously. So it's, I think it's very realistic in terms of the survey results on the, the profitability side. Well, so is that that um, automakers are, you know, coming up against some barriers uh, that they weren't expecting in terms of, is it more on the, you know, cost of minerals, cost of putting together batteries and EVs, or is it on more on the demand side with consumers? Well, I think it's mainly on the cost side because of this is much harder to do than they realize, number one. But number two, the technology and the software that goes into the vehicle and software-defined vehicles um, they're realizing how hard that is. And this goes back to the sexy realism I was talking about. Oh, we're going to do our own operating system, and oh, we're going to have software-defined vehicles. And yeah, that's great to say, but 
Do you have the engineers? Do you have the prowess to be able to execute it? Can you really do over-the-air updates? I mean, you may, sounds great. Yes, one major company does it really well, but it's not so easy. And I think they're realizing how hard it is. And if you get it wrong, I mean, it causes huge issues uh, with, your, with your customers. And I, we were saying, uh, you know, we were talking the other day with a bunch of our clients, and this is the breadth of the industry, and that's one of the things they really focus in on is like, this is much harder than we realize uh, in terms of implementing on the software and the integration within the vehicle. So that's a big area, and they realize it costs a lot of money. So one of the things is we're standing here, of course, uh, there's automakers, but there's also a lot of suppliers here. As, these, as this realism uh, sets in, you know, our time frames being pushed out. How is it rippling through the rest of the industry? Well, you're starting to see uh, on the EVs, especially, uh, 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 the growth rate is certainly slow. Let's just put it that way. And uh, I think there's that realism of pushing that out, being able to uh, make enough money to pay for all that. And the other thing with uh, the EVs, I think there's some. Um, you had your early adopters, um, but quite honestly, the. I'll call it, you know, inning number one or number two. These vehicles were not as great as the next version. So if you're a consumer, you're like, maybe I'll just wait a little bit here and I'll get the next one after they learned and figured out. And that's a Tesla story because Tesla figured that a long time ago. Now, if you know, on those types of vehicles, you know what you're getting and how they work and, and, and others are still learning. So. Well, and, you know, it was a long process for Tesla and uh, as, whether you, whether you feel like the experience that uh, the 100-year-old companies have is a strength or a weakness, uh, they're going to take them some time to catch up. Oh, absolutely. And you see it. Uh, I, I would say one on the manufacturing, you see it. And some of the startups are really struggling. But even the mighty ones, you know, are having uh, you know, to get the manufacturing uh, up, and, up in place to get the supply chain set up. It, and the other thing I think it's certainly for the legacy players, and this was also in our survey, is on the supply chain. Not only for 100 years did automotive have one of the most complex global supply chains, now they have to do that with ICE vehicles and EVs. And it's not one or the other. Pure place have one, but so you gotta do both. And that is very, very complex also. So it, yeah. it's, it's exciting times, but these are kind of the realism. You know, I'm an optimist, so uh, I think the winners are gonna really delight us and we're gonna just be enthralled with it. But there's gonna be a shakeout, Jamie. I'm telling you, this is uh, not for the faint-hearted. A lot of challenges, like you said, through the supply chain uh, and, and the whole new supply chain, especially the battery minerals, battery components, uh, you know, the, the Inflation Reduction Act, at least for this country, does a lot to try to match out the, the end cost to the consumers. But when you include the foreign entity of concerns, not a lot of vehicles that really applies to anymore. Yeah, it's interesting because we asked this supply chain issue, the same question in the last three years, how concerned are you? And you can imagine it spiked during COVID and it stayed high and it's still high in terms of overall concern. But this was an outlier, it's, you know, you can see it in the survey. There was one, we, you can slice and dice our data. We had it's a thousand people, senior executives, 30 countries, CEO, OEMs, tech companies, suppliers, dealers, <laughs> you name it. Um, but if you click on China and ask the question, 
what do the Chinese think about the supply chain? Right. They're not concerned at all, honestly. They, exactly. Yeah. Theirs came out like, no, this is great. So, but but it was like a ten percent jump in people who were concerned in the outside of China right, about exactly. lithium, cobalt, oh, and their battery very minerals. Concerned. Yes, yeah. and the, so that's kind of this dichotomy in the geopolitics and the global supply chain. So it's it's tough, you yeah. know, and I don't see that going away in the near term. Certainly. Yeah, really striking data. So. The other one that really jumped out, we kind of uh, talked about this off air briefly, but uh, a lot of auto executives seem to think that prices are going to go up five or ten percent next year. Uh, that that kind of surprised me. I feel like the consumers, at least in America, are are hoping for price decreases, which also probably is a little silly. But you know, uh, five or ten percent on top of pretty record high prices. Oh, we agree here, Jamie. <laughs> so we got the data, and I was I have to say. Most of the data always makes pretty good sense, depending how you slice it and dice it. But this one, to me, was an outlier. I, I just don't believe it personally. I think the economic data to support it, it might be, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to get in the minds of our respondents, but I think they were able to, okay, pass it along, pass it along. You know, you get used to this. And they, they, since, since there was supply constraints, they were able to pass this on the consumer, but I think those days are definitely, my view, over. You're starting to see it in the numbers, certainly in the U.S., where they're putting more dollars on the hood. The inventory levels are up. In undeniably. The undeniably yeah. in the distribution market. So I think that one, to me, is one to watch. And it hopefully is not wishful thinking. I mean, they may try. I, I, of course, you would try if you can get away with it, but I, I don't see it as. It's, it's like gravity. And the other thing... What you're seeing, Jamie, is the second, third inning of certainly electric vehicles are coming online. You have hundreds of new vehicles globally, okay? So you gotta compete. And this is a fixed cost business. As you know, capital intensive fixed cost. And study the industry over 50 years, when you have a high capital intensive business, you gotta keep the factory moving. And that is always puts pressure on price. So I'm more of that view. Um, so I, I agree with you on that one. Well, here with today's uh, dose of sexy realism, uh, Gary Silberg, who heads the auto practice at KPMG. Thanks so much for joining Jamie, me today. It was my pleasure and have a great 2024. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Larry Velquette and Audrey LaForest for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on CES, retail, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a roundup of the best of CES in Las Vegas this week. There was a little bit of a wow there. The wow was sort of like, who the heck are these people and are they serious about it? <laughs> if you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.